0: process the story of the king, one of the things we have to struggle with and kind of deal with is there are a lot of unexpected pieces to the story. Things take place that you don't anticipate. Things happen in such a way that you're not exactly prepared for that part of the narrative. And as you're working through that, you have to process. Because for the most part, when unexpected things happen, we tend to categorize those as negative. Even if the overall situation is positive. It just feels like you've been let down. So, my son came over last night. Alexander came over to our house, and, and we were rigging up a new gaming system, and we were having fun, and we had downloaded a new game. We we're trying the beta on it, and just having a good time. And, and if you're not a gamer, it's exhausting. I mean, after a while, you just, you've just you got to you know, get some nourishment and some refreshment. And so, we took a water and snack, and and a uh, food break, and we're kind of foraging through our kitchen, figuring out what we're allowed to have and not allowed to have, and hoping that what we're having is what we're allowed to have. And, and, uh, and so, I finished, and so for dessert, I wanted a Tootsie Roll. I mean, I'd love, I love those. And some of you know, because many gave Tootsie Rolls to me during Pastor Appreciation Month last month, but I love those. They're the fat ones, but they're not really long. I mean, like a cracker barrel, you can get the ones that are two and a half feet long. That not that doesn't work so good, because then you got the well anyway, you know, that slobbery other end you gotta deal with. I like the ones in one bite, you just look like a baseball player. And so I open, I get my Tootsie Roll for dessert and I open it and it's empty. What kind of mean person wraps air? where there's supposed to be a Tootsie Roll. That was not a pleasant, unexpected experience. Getting to spend the evening with my son, that was unexpected. I hadn't planned on that, and he had some freedom from work, and I just got back in town, and we were able to get together. That was a good, unexpected experience. Walked into church. I'm always looking forward to seeing our people, and we have great greeters. They're, just, they're all in our lobbies and doors and all over the place, and they're always so friendly, and, and they're, they're, they're such honest transparent, authentic people. I walked up to one of my favorites. I know not, I've already been in trouble once this morning for talking about having favorites. This is one of my favorite greeters, a longtime friend. Um, I'm just so excited to see them. And they look at me, and this is exactly how we want our team to function here. They look at me with complete authenticity. You look thinner last week. They went on to explain that it was probably a clothing choice, but of course, I'm sitting here thinking, it's 10 minutes till the service starts. You're stuck with the clothing choice today, whether it works or not. That wasn't expected. That really wasn't what I was expecting to hear. But then I walked in here and as if, as if our kids know sometimes when we need affirmation. One of the little boys that's a good friend of mine, was, was here when he was born and been a part of his baptism. He walks up to me and somebody else walked up. One of the little kids walked up and said, hey, Pastor James. And uh, little Isaac looks up and he goes, are they saying Pastor or Master James? (laughs) I'm thinking Master James has kind of a nice ring to it, but we probably won't make any major strategic choices. But that wasn't expected. And in the story we look at today, the story of the king, everything about this is a revelation. It is the story being revealed in unexpected ways. So let me take just a couple of minutes to bring us up to date historically in this story. Gabriel has showed up at Zechariah and Elizabeth's house. Zechariah has been at work in the temple, and while he's in the temple, angel Gabriel shows up and announces to him, you're going to have a son. Now, he's not expecting a son. They are old, they are, they are past a point where that's physically possible, they are not anticipating this, it's completely unexpected, and Zachariah acknowledges that, he says, I don't see how this is going to work. Gabriel tells him how it's going to work, and then Gabriel shuts his mouth. He's not able to physically speak. It's kind of a punitive miracle in this particular time. But he's able to communicate it to his wife, and she's excited, she's thrilled, Zachariah is processing working through this. Then we kind of took off and took a parenthetical moment in the story, and we see the announcement of the birth of the actual king. Gabriel again comes from heaven. He shows up, and he's speaking to a young girl named Mary, and explaining to her that it is time for the Messiah, and she is going to carry the Messiah. She is going to be the physical mother of the Messiah, even though she herself is a virgin. She is going to give birth to the Messiah. And in both cases, they've been told the names. Zechariah had been told in the temple, You will name your son John. Mary is told, You will name your son Jesus. And as the story unfolds, her fiance, who will become her husband, will also be told, You will name him Jesus. Both of these naming situations are unexpected because they're not family names. And in this culture, in the Jewish culture, at the, at, at the beginning of this first century A.D., it is always expected that you're going to name a child on the lineage of the father. And so all of this is just kind of a bit of a mystery. John and Jesus meet while they're still in the wombs. Mary goes to Elizabeth's house because they're related. And while they're there, the babies literally start kind of leaping and moving in, a, in an unusual and unexpected fashion. Recognizing one another, because John, as an infant still in the womb, has the Holy Spirit, and obviously Jesus has the Holy Spirit. Elizabeth then has the Holy Spirit. Zachariah will have the Holy Spirit. This is uncommon and unexpected in this period of history, because the Holy Spirit has not been released to all the population. The the Spirit of part of God, the God that works in us, the, God, the one who stays here, that personality of God that lives in us as a, guider, a guidance and lives in us as a counselor, hadn't been released on the total population of believers. That won't happen until after Jesus' death and resurrection. After Jesus' death and resurrection at Pentecost, now every believer has the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit of God is in this room at this moment, not because it's a church, but because believers in Jesus who have the Holy Spirit living in them because they've trusted in Jesus for their salvation and forgiveness, bring Him here into this place. Everything's unexpected. And now it's time to name John. John has been born, and John is being taken to the temple where he will be circumcised, and they will go through all the rituals according to their custom and their faith. And it's time to name John. And it's an unexpected moment. Let's look at it real quick. Go to Luke chapter 1. And... Listen along or read along with me as we listen to the narrative part of this story. Now the time had come for Elizabeth. This is Luke chapter 1, verse 57. So we're deep into the chapter at this point. Luke chapter 1, verse 57. Now the time had come for Elizabeth to give birth, and she had a son. Then her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown her his great mercy, and they rejoiced with her. When they came to circumcise the child on the eighth day, they were going to name him Zachariah after his father. But his mother responded, no, he will be called John. Now, the un- unexpected part started to happen. Zachariah still can't speak. Elizabeth is speaking at the naming of her son, which wasn't done at that point in history and they call her on it. They say to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father. Don't you girls love that? You know, your word's not good enough. Your husband can't speak because he doubted God. But we're going to find a blackboard for him to write on because we're not going to believe what you're saying. We're going to believe what your husband says. Even your own husband doesn't believe that, but that's okay. They, they, they call her out and she says, none of, they, they say to her, none of your relatives has that name. So they motioned to his father to find out what he wanted him to be called. He asked for a writing tablet and he wrote, His name is John. And they were all amazed. Immediately, Zachariah's mouth is opened and his tongue is set free and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came on all those who lived around them and all these things were being talked about throughout the hill country of Judea. All who heard about him took it to heart saying, what then will this child become? For indeed the Lord's hand is with him. These are those moments when God moves outside of our experience. Our experience has predetermined for us what we think the course of action is going to be. Our experience has given us a perception and paradigm that says these are the things that can be expected. Our experience has, has said these are the things that I anticipate because I've experienced this before. And we do this all the time. We do this as employers. We do it here at our church as well when we, when we hire staff. You assume, rightfully so, that a person's history is the strongest predictor of their future, particularly in terms of behavior, in terms of qualifications, in terms of the type of person you want to work for you. But the difference is, while you may do that when you're hiring somebody, you may do that when you're looking for an employee, God isn't for hire. He's not for sale. He's not willing to work for us. He wants to work with us. And so God carries an innate part of his nature as the all creator of all things, the ability to say, I know this is experience, what you have experienced. I know this is your pattern in the past. I know this is your history of knowledge. I know, I know, I know, but I want to do it this way. And that can be a little frustrating because that's not the way we expect it. God, I didn't expect you to move this way in this moment. God, you didn't do it this way before. God, this isn't the way you described it before. In fact, if it's ingrained in our culture, it was super ingrained in the culture of the first century. They had gone 400 years without hearing from God for four centuries, God has said, you know, I'm just gonna leave you guys to your own. Multiple generations, depending on how you calculate generations, have taken place and have, have passed anywhere from 16 to 20 generations, has not heard from God, has not seen God, has not experienced God. Many have kept faith in God like Zechariah and Elizabeth who had lived their life righteous and faithful and totally committed but they hadn't seen things work. They hadn't seen things happen. And so all they had to depend upon was what they had known from the past. And while in many situations that is reliable and a reliable predictor for the future, oftentimes, particularly with God, I, I wonder sometimes, not to, to marginalize or somehow to bring God down to our level, but I wonder sometimes if God just doesn't get a kick out of it. I mean, he's the creator of all things. I mean, in the time that has elapsed between this Sunday and last Sunday, he created everything that exists, including us. And in less than a week, he put it all into place. How many times did he just get interested and say, you know what, let me change it up a little bit? I don't know. It's a whole new theory. I think about writing a book that says something like goofing with species, you know, instead of origin of the species, you know, like… Messing around with the DNA of the world. I mean, do you think sometimes he just gets a kick out of it? He just changes things up just to change it up. Yes, he's steadfast. And yes, he's faithful. Yes, he's all those things that all of us were taught in Sunday school. But he's a creator. And creators by nature, it has been my experience in the past, tend to every once in a while throw an unexpected twist. They could have all missed what God was doing. Everybody could have missed it. If in this case, once again, Zachariah and Elizabeth and their faith hadn't allowed and stood against their culture and stood against their friends to say, God's doing a new thing. He is not going to be Zachariah Jr. He is going to be John. The John you and I know, because we've read the, the story to the very end, the baptizer, the one who will proclaim the coming of the Messiah, the one who will take faith that has become stale and ritualistic and nothing more than history because there's no current expression of it, that little, tiny, tenuous hanging on to the edge of that cliff, and revolutionize it with Jesus, the Messiah, the King. Who has the right to, to do whatever He wants to do, anytime He wants to do it, any way He wants to do it. God moves sometimes outside of our experience. And my goal and my, my, my desire for all of us is that when God moves outside of our experience, that we embrace it. We accept it that we become a part of that shocked crowd, but in a very positive way. We become a part of that crowd that says, what is this child going to be? Something's happening here I don't understand. Something's taking place. I don't don't know how to process it. I don't know how to deal with this. But my faith is going to be able to say, but the Lord's hand is with him, just like it says in verse 66. The Lord's hand is with him. I want to see what happens. I, I want to be a part of this. I want to hear this story. I want to engage in it. And maybe I don't understand it. And maybe I'm struggling to process it. And maybe it's even challenging me to change. But I'm ready to embrace that change if it means I am in the middle of the activity of God. That if I'm in the same place, God is. I mean, you know, it's, we want to be in that action. I mean, it's, it's fun to watch things, I, I like watching sports just as much as anybody else. I like watching movies just as much as anybody else, but it's not the same as being there. I, you know, and I don't. I always run the risk of offending somebody, and I don't mean to offend anybody. That there's all these cooking shows these days, and as a verified, certified by our greeters ministry lover of food, I don't really get cooking shows. Why? Why? I mean, I'm going to get a lot of emails on this. When I can feel it coming, I just don't. Know, why would you want to watch TV shows about cooking when you could get up and go eat? <laughs> you could bake that dessert for your husband. You could come up with an entire gaming menu to feed your husband and son when they take a break, which she does. That's why there's Tootsie Rolls on the counter, because he knows I'm going to want that Tootsie Roll at some point. I don't want to watch what God is doing in the world. And God is doing amazing things in the world. He is changing lives every day. He's changing things that we do. He's changing the way we understand things. He's changing how we interact with Him all the time. And I just don't want to watch it. I want to be a part of it. My son was a classic example of that. When he made the decision in grade school to start playing football, and then by the time he was on the team in junior high, he was really interested in playing football, to this date, he's never watched a football game. I guess the coaches forced him on, on Saturday mornings when they would do game, game tapes. We had a close friend of ours. He, he thought… He was so excited Alexander was going to play ball, and he, and he, he went, this is, is going to date me. Um, he created… VHS tapes. He, he showed up one day at the house with like a whole stack of VHS tapes. He had spent a whole weekend, maybe two weekends, recording all of the college football games. Because we didn't have cable, we didn't have ESPN and stuff like that. And he created all these tapes. And we sat down in front of the TV, and I am thought, this is great. We're going to start with a winning team. And I'm not going to tell you which one it is, because uh, we'll hear emails about that. Um, we got about, I think we got to about the first quarter. And Alexander finally looks up to me. He's junior high at this point. He finally looks up to me. and goes, Dad, do, do I really have to watch this? I said, well, son, you're going to start playing ball. You need to know the moves, the motions. Do you need." Yeah, I think so. He was nice. He's always nice. And he waited a while. Long. Dad, Dad, I'm just not really into this. I said, okay, you can go do something else. What something else was learning, he, he taught himself how to code, which I'm grateful for because now he is the CEO of a company he founded and doing very well. And, um, and the better he does, the more confident I am about my future. So, it, it's all, it, it worked out well. When we finally moved here, we just said, okay, we might as well toss all these VHS tapes. For one thing, by then, you, you had to have an antique store to have a VHS player. And so, you know, he never wanted to watch it, but Friday night… Cougar Stadium, you put number 60 on the field. The kid from Klein Collins begged him not to block him so he would look good in front of Collie's scouts. And one of my proudest moments, Alexander said, okay, and pushed him all the way into their end zone. He loved to play, had no desire to watch. And even at this point in my life and in my ministry, I'm like, God, I want to play. I want to be on the field. I want to be doing what you're doing. I don't want to watch it. I have read about it. I have extensive volumes of books in my office. And I have read about every major great awakening, every major revival, everything that's taken place. I've, I've studied it. I know it. I breathe it. I long for it. But that's the key. I long for it. Which means at a period in life when more than just the arteries are hardening, I have to remain flexible and say, God, if you want to do something outside of my experience, I'm not saying it'll be easy, I'm not saying it'll just come naturally, but I am saying in my faith walk, I want to be there. I want to experience it. I want to be where you're at, where you're changing lives. Because if you take some time this week and you go and study it a little bit further and you you move on into the rest of this chapter, which is just Zachariah's song, he just instantaneously, spontaneously wrote a song singing his praise. He talks about the unexpected hope that this child is going to announce and bring to the world. The, The personal nature of God's relationship, the redemption, and how God's going to take care of our sins, and the strength and the promise and the protection God offers us. And the unexpected help, that the fact that this all of this event is happening to be dependable and faithful as God, and to rescue us. Give us a life, as it says in verse 74, give us a life that is fearless, The fact that God's coming and He's going to rescue us from the hands of our enemies and we would serve Him without fear and holiness and righteousness in His presence all the day. How How can I possibly experience this holiness and righteousness if I'm afraid, too afraid to let Him do something I've not experienced before? I want that ability to look forward to that. And that John himself will become a paradigm of sorts of the unexpected herald. That person who will sing out the song and will share the message. God loves us. He forgives us. He has compassion for us. He's willing to guide us. He's willing to give us peace. And John will do that as he announces. It's a new day. It's a new time. And the Messiah is here. Christmas for us tends to be a little bit of a past tense experience. And that's okay. So don't let any of this totally disrupt everybody's day. It's okay, because we remember times together as families. We we remember moments that we've experienced. We remember lights that we've seen. We remember decorations that we've seen, both good and bad. We remember, and it's okay. But the end of this Christmas season, my desire is not only to enjoy all the memories— Josh did a great job leading us in some of my favorite and classic Christmas songs. But I don't want to miss what God may want to do new this year. Like introducing to us this morning a song hasn't even been published yet. It is copyrighted, but it hasn't been published yet. And our worship pastor collaborated on the project to remind us this Christmas, the story isn't History. The story is unfolding today.